I'm going to do a quick message. Well, I always say that, then it goes a little bit longer. But I'm going to do a quickish message about a very simple thing that I want to share with you today. Um, and it's something that um, I guess I've been sort of meditating on and thinking on as well. It's a very simple message. It's basically today is talking about love. And I want to talk about the fact that God loves us, um, the fact that we're meant to love each other, and that when we take that love, we can actually take it out to the world and make a difference as well. So that's the three points. Sermon done. 90 seconds, said no pastor ever <laughs> or preacher. Um, but that is the best the message today. I want you to take away that fact that God loves us. And I'm going to pad that out a little bit more on what it actually means. I want you to take away um, the fact that you guys are doing great. Sue and I love coming here. Um, we love being a part of seeing the love that's across the place um, that happens. But we can always do better in those areas as well. We can go even deeper for our love for each other. Um, and as I've said before, and I'll continue to say, um, right now our world needs God's love. Um, so those are the three things I want to talk about. Um, and just to pat them out, I guess I want to start by saying this. Um, it's always good to confess, um, to get something off your shoulders and away from your um, wife. And since I want to confess that in my life I have been a news junkie. Um, I love the news. I, I love waking up in the morning and watching the television news. I love... Um, having the radio on and listening to the news that's there. I read magazines. I used to read newspapers. I now read online. I come home at night and watch the news. Um, the news has always been fairly important to me because I sort of thought that by doing it, um, I had a better connection with what was happening in the world. But to be truthful, probably about a year, maybe a little bit longer ago, um, I began to get really um, depressed when I would watch the news. And it would just kind of dragged me down. Um, I would get very angry, and I would yell at the TV. <laughs> and I would sit in my office while the radio is going on, and some politician is sharing, and I'm yelling, and people, what are you yelling about? Um, it just became a little bit too hard. So I decided to take a bit of a break from the news, and I stopped for a while. Maybe watched maybe 10 or 15 minutes a day, but nothing to what I was seeing before. And I began to feel better, and I began to get some of that anger away. Until recently, earlier in this year, I decided it was important to go back and try and figure out on a greater depth of what was happening in our world and how I should actually address it as well. Um, I think I'm going to have to quit again, to be quite honest, because those feelings of kind of depression and anger um, keep coming back. You know, it's been said that today, and it's true, that we live in very difficult times. Um, you know, if you just look at what's going on around us, um, around the world, in the Western world at least, in politics, um, it's no longer divided necessarily by ideology, but actual hate for each other, um, instead of actual commitment to say we want to make this country better or um, in the states where I came from. It's kind of sad in the states because you've got close to a two-year run-up um, leading to an election with the candidates going through all that time. And the Republicans have been doing all their debates, and it's been nasty. It's been really nasty with what's happening with each other. So you got things like in the politics of what's going on as well. Um, you know, every time I turn on the news, it seems like they start in Brisbane, go to Sydney, come down to Melbourne, shoot across to Adelaide, come back to Canberra, and they talk about crime. And so you hear all these horrible, terrible things that are going on in these areas as well. Um, this morning, I woke to the news, and some of you probably would have seen that in... Um, Turkey, um, there, was a, a, there was a peace rally of all things, um, and two bombs were set off at the peace rally. And so far they said that about 96 people um, have lost their life. Um, you know, the world is 
in a bit of a mess. And sometimes as Christians, we just don't know what to do with that. But I want to say to you that that's actually the time that we should step up. Um, when it comes to following Jesus in our world, we're called not to be afraid. And I know sometimes that's hard, but we're actually called not to be afraid. I've not given you a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. So we are meant to step up. So we need to realize in these areas that we shouldn't fear. Um, fatalism is another aspect where we just go, oh, this is just going to continue to happen. And we just give up and we listen to it in those areas as well. Um, the other is a loss of hope, which I think is the worst thing. We are called to live closely with Jesus and in our lives um, make an impact in the world around. And the way we do that, quite simply, is the most powerful thing that the world has ever experienced. It's through love. It's through taking God's love. Radical as it is that he came to us to save us even when we didn't deserve it. We need to take that message around as well. We need to take love um, out to people and to the world in which we're going to talk about. Um, if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians 13. Now, every wedding that I've done um, has had this passage usually in it somewhere. It's well known um, around the world as the love chapter. Often, though, um, while we have excitements with weddings coming up and those type of things as well, which is great, and it's great for us as a congregation, we sometimes realize that this passage actually wasn't spoken to a marriage situation. It was spoken to Christians, and it was spoken to Christians who were messing up severely, and it was spoken to Christians who were divided in, the, in, the, in their sort of church in Corinth and all those areas as well. And so Paul brings it out, um, and he says this, And now I show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but not, have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mys mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. For where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. That's a pretty powerful passage. And I believe that the Bible says that we're to trust God and we're to remember that he is just, he is true, but most importantly, he is loving. And so love can change the world. 
we need to realize that we're not run by the world. We're not driven by the world. As followers of Jesus, we, we run with him. Um, and we walk with him, and we experience this amazing things. Hebrews three six says, <clears throat> "Sorry, Hebrews three six says, but Christ is faithful as a son of God over God's house, and we are His house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast." So hold on to Jesus because He's the head of the church. He's the author of the kingdom of God spreading throughout the world. We need love. Two Fridays ago, as we know, up in Parramatta, a 15-year-old boy um, got a gun and went and shot um, someone from the New South Wales Police Force, a guy who was just involved in finance as a consultant in a sense, um, and he killed him, and then he was shot and killed as well. For a couple of days, I started, how does a 15-year-old do that? I mean, to begin with, how does a 15-year-old actually do that? How do they come to an understanding of this is what they want to do is actually take another human's life. And on the news, I kept, news again, I kept hearing that people were saying that he had been radicalized. And at 15, I thought, radicalized for what? At 15, I was radicalized for rock and roll and girls and having fun and going to school and not really enjoying it. You know, that's what my world was all about. This is something completely different. He was radicalized to kill. And I thought to myself as they were going on about it, I thought to myself, well, what's the answer? More education is a good thing to teach people about some of these things. Um, maybe some rational thought to sit down and think about what the consequences of these things are. And I put these lists together of some of the things that I thought were good. And then it came to me very strongly, love is what will de-radicalize or stop someone from being radicalized into a situation like that. What if... And I don't know, what if there had been a chaplain at the school who had been able to contact or connect? Um, <coughs> what if there had been a family friend? I don't know, but I do know this. God places us in this world for a purpose, and that purpose is to bring love. And we're not going to win the fight by bombing in Syria or chasing IS all over. We're not going to win it that way. They're not an army. The only way that we're going to win is by taking the love of Jesus. In Syria right now, um, as you know, there's millions of people who have been um, sort of uprooted from their homes and sent out because of the civil war. There are hundreds of thousands of Christians who are caught up in that situation. We forget about that sometimes and we think, oh, how horrible it is. We should be praying. We should be praying for Christians who are in those camps to be empowered to actually share love with others because that's what's going to change it, if anything. We need to see love in those situations as well. So Jesus is the head of his church. He is seeing the kingdom of God come in. We don't need to fear. We don't need to be fatalistic. We don't need to lose a hope. We can focus on what Jesus is saying and doing and seeing that love. So I'm going to share with you three points about this love. And you've already heard it twice because I told you at the beginning. God loves you. We need to love each other. And we can change the world with that love. So the first point I want to share with you this morning is the power of love to change starts by understanding how much God loves me. I've got um, kind of 20 years experience as a pastor in churches. And without a doubt the number one thing that I have counseled people on 
is understanding that God loves them. It's the one thing that the enemy gets in and says, you know what? You're not worthy. Might take a voice from your past. Might have been a parent who said, you know what? You're not measuring up. You're not going to make it. You're just a waste of time. It might be a family member or it might be some friends. or Whatever in those situations. When we hear that we are not worthy and then we come to Jesus and we say, we know you love us, but you can't really love me because I've done these things before I was a follower or I've done these things and fallen as a follower of Jesus. It's the voice that says everyone else in this room truly matters to God and God loves them, but not me, but not me. We need to understand this fact that Jesus loves us greater than the height, wider than the width, deeper than the deep. God loves us. And that's an amazing thing. So when the enemy attacks by saying you're not worthy, you go, yes, I am. Go away. Because Jesus said it, I believe it. And you say it over and over and have yourselves filled with that type of thing as well. Now, some people still might go. And let me say this. Um, I'm 49 years old. I come from a loving family. I was very encouraged by my parents as I was growing up. Um, it was a lot of love with my siblings. It was, you know, good times. We were blessed in what we had as a family. We moved around, saw amazing places. All of these type of things. But I can take you back to one incident when I was eight years old when I broke a dish. And the thought in my mind, and you need to understand this, we had no, as a family, no connection with God whatsoever. We didn't go to church. We didn't know Christians. We didn't know any of these things. Eight years old, I broke this dish, and in my mind, I heard these words, which I thought were mine. I've done bad. Now I've got to be punished by God. We had nothing to do with God. Where did that come from? That was a plant of the enemy at eight years old to say, you know what? You deserve punishment. And it's not true. Jesus loves us. We know John 3.16. But for the last couple years, I can't say it without saying John 3.17. It says this in 3.16. We know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But then verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to, save, but to save the world through him. If you're hearing condemnation in your spirit and in your mind, it is not from God. It's the enemy. He did not come to condemn us, but to save us. Wow, for an eight-year-old who thought that God was going to punish him, or for a 12-year-old who was in rebellion against his parents, or for an 18-year-old who was going through a drug issue problem, for a guy who was in America and then moved across to this area. This condemnation thing followed me for such a long time, and I still have to fight it today. And that's why I go back to John 3.17, and I go, wow, he didn't come to condemn. He came to save. That's incredible. God's love knows no boundaries. Romans 8, 38 to 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Wow. 
<laughs> that blows my mind. Um, I've had the opportunity to study um, tertiary studies, uh, degree in ministry, and in theology, advanced diplomas, and all those type of things that were a real cool thing. But you know what? All of that comes back to that same thing now of not trying to confuse it, which some of my studies seem to do in a lot of areas, was to confuse what was going on. But it came back to the simple fact of, you know what? Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. And there's not a single thing that you could have done or might even be doing now that will not stop you from God's love if you come to him and say, no condemnation, I just give my life to you. That's so cool. And that kind of flows onto the second point. If that's what we're getting as individuals, we're also called to give it to other people. So the second point is the power of love sets us free to love each other. I've lived in Australia for 30 years now. And um, you can still hear it. We were talking about it the other night with the accent. You can still hear the accent. I've lived here 30 years. I lived in the States for 19 years since so I moved here. Um, and I love Australia. From the moment I got off the plane in Sydney and I looked at the harbour and the beaches, I went, this is one of the most amazingly beautiful places in all of the world. Absolutely love it. But there are still things in me as a Texan and as an American which are vitally important to me. For instance, Tex-Mex food, vitally important to me. <laughs> Texas Rangers baseball, vitally important to me. Um, I love gridiron as well. So I still can't shake some of those things. You know, I love my American baseball and my American gridiron type of thing as well. On Mondays, thanks to um, Hain the Plane, they're now playing two games on a Monday. Now I'm without work at this point, and there are six hours of gridiron that is playing on Monday. And I'm loving sitting down there watching it, but I'm feeling guilty going, I need to get a job soon <laughs> and get out of this situation. Um, a couple of weeks ago, the Cowboys were playing the Giants, <clears throat> and they were playing terrible. They were behind the whole game. And so it was coming up near the end, and I mean, it was like there was 110 seconds left in the game, so there was not much time left in this game. The Cowboys got the ball on around the 20-yard line, which meant they had to go 80 yards to get into the end zone to score a touchdown to get ahead. They'd been playing pretty bad all day. Tony Roma, who's the quarterback, came out and um, magic started to happen. 110 seconds. He drove the team down to the end zone and threw a touchdown to Witten, who's one of the great receivers of the world. And um, they won the game with 110. It was beautiful to watch. All of the game, the hours before, was not so pretty to look at how they played. But that 110 seconds, they played as a team that would not be stopped. And it was fantastic. We are a team. We are a team. And when we work together as a team and do the right thing as a team, it's an absolutely beautiful thing. I was glad to hear the announcements today. And kind of took me back a little bit thinking some of our experiences. I can remember in our last church, um, we had an event for A21 as well, which was to um, help people who were caught up in, in sexual slavery to get them out. Um, the ladies ran it in our congregation. The men kind of helped by serving at the thing as well. And we raised $13,000 um, on that night. And that was a beautiful thing. Um, I'm, I, uh, what, 
I don't even know what you call it. I'm a consultant speaker for a group called Open Doors, um, which is a group that supports um, persecuted Christians around the world and tries to get resources to them, tries to help them out in those areas as well. Um, again, the ladies did this, and they organized uh, Open Doors Walk to Water. So they walked um, in Aladala. They went from Narawali, which is where the church is at, down to Brill Lake, um, and there were a lot of them who walked, and they raised a couple thousand dollars for it as well. It's a beautiful thing to see. Um, there was a need in the community that we had because there was a lot of people who were retired and come down onto the coast, and a lot of the guys, um, the men, had retired, and a lot of them had been in like farm situations um, or had had their own workshops, and they moved down to be retired, and you can play golf um, three times a week for about five weeks, and you start thinking, what in the world is this going to be about type of thing? Um, they needed stuff to do. We built a men's shed, um, a brand new facility. As, all I'm saying is when the church works as a team for the kingdom of God, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing to watch uh, what God does. And we do that as a team. And as a team, we need to know that we need to love each other. John 3, 34 to 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so that you must love one another. By this all... I'm going to start reading that again. I didn't read it properly. <laughs> so, A new commandment I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another as well. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one for another. If you consider this, the Roman Empire, which was killing thousands and thousands of people around Jesus' time, including him as well. The Roman Empire was persecuting Christians after the start of that, taking them, as we know, into things like um, Colosseums to face lions, to be ripped apart, and those type of things as well. So Christians, for the first part of that time period after Jesus, were basically having to run and hide all of the time because the Roman Empire was going to destroy. In less than 300 years, though, that was flipped upside down. And the Roman Empire became a Christian empire. Now, it was probably because the time was right for something like that. It was definitely because the Holy Spirit was moving <clears throat> in that situation. <clears throat> but I also think it was because they loved each other. <clears throat> You can read in the book of Acts, sorry, <coughs> you can read in the book of Acts that they loved each other. And people see that. They see when we love each other what can happen in those different things as well. This is one of my favorite passages. It comes from 1 John 4, um, 12. It says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Do we want to see more of God in our midst? Of course we do. Do we want to have a deeper experience of the Holy Spirit? Certainly. Do we want to see Jesus working through our congregation with gifts and with um, blessings and all this? Of course we do. How do you do it? You love one another. It says no one's ever seen God, but if we love each other, then God is made evident. He is right there for us to see and to experience. That's a powerful thing when we actually grasp it as a team. We're there, to be, we're there to be there for each other and to love each other. The third point is this. Our job is not to condemn the world we live in, but to love the people of this world. 
I honestly believe, because I've seen it in ministry, and I'm sure others have seen it in ministry, but I've seen it off and on in ministry, that there are people who claim to follow Jesus, but just condemn. They just hurt, and they attack, and they tear down. I honestly believe that the person who does that, who is a condemning person, has no clue, really, about the grace of God. Don't know the grace, the actual gift that God gives us because we're condemning others. That's not what Scripture says. It says that we're actually to love each other and we're to love the world around us as well. The media does this, and I know it does it, but it also does it because it's in a sense true. What I mean by that is this. As Christians, we are often known more for what we are against than what we are actually for. We are known what we stand against than actually what we stand for. And we often come across condemning. And there's a whole range of stuff that we can do it. We could do IS, we could do gay marriage, we could do all of these things which are challenges for us as Christians, but those are not the things which we should be necessarily standing up and basing our theology on by condemning or attacking. Christians should be known more for what they're for. And what they're for is Jesus. And what they're for is hope. And what they're for is love. It makes a huge difference when we take that love out there. When Matthew wrote in chapter 5 that we're to be salt and light. We're actually to be out there, bringing flavor. We're to be out there, bringing light and hope in those situations as well. Um, as some of you might know, we moved a couple weeks ago from Roeville um, to Berwick, and we hired a truck, and two big guys, young guys, but two big guys turned up in this truck. One was a big Polish guy, and the other was a, um, a big um, Islander. And they were strong and kind of scary a little bit, to be quite honest, as it first started. Um, and so they rocked up. And we had some friends um, who came along as well. And our friends just got in and, and we took everything out on the front lawn for the other guys to go through. And the other guys were going, and I was worried because I'm thinking, we're taking away from their work and their hours. Are they gonna? So I kept asking, is it all right? Is it all right to do this type of thing? And at first they were looking around and they're seeing what's going on. And then I had um, the Islander guy come to me and he said, where do those people come from? Are they like your family? And I said, well, they're part of like a church family. And he went, really? And the Polish guy came in as well and he said, what's going on with these guys? Why are they helping? I said, well, they're just brothers in Christ type of thing as well. And I had, through the day, heaps of opportunity to talk to these two guys who were blown away by friends who'd come along to lift furniture. It is empowering and amazing and challenging when we live our Christian love as brothers and sisters for each other out there because it makes a huge difference in the world. And people really want to hear these days. I mean, evangelism might be a little bit out of um, vogue or popularity or some of those type of things as well. Um, but I find that if they see someone who's truly genuine about stuff, they're interested in it, and they'll ask. The Islander guy said to me, he says, oh, I'm, I'm not religious, um, but what you guys are doing is really cool. 
because um, we were giving them morning tea, and they were like, wow. <laughs> so we, Lolly's here. You need some extra sugar to lift some things. And it was good. It was, um, it was quite good. And it made a difference as well. The more we step out to love God and others, the stronger we will become. Now, sometimes if you look at something and you think, oh my goodness, we're talking about this stuff. How do we do that stuff? You know, the, I'm sure most of you know, um, how do you eat an elephant? You do it one bite at a time. So you might be going, oh my goodness, that's huge. And God's saying, just one bite at a time. Invite your neighbor for a coffee. Go for a walk at the same time in your neighborhood um, a few days a week and say hi to the people that you passed. Buy a coffee for someone at work. You know, when you go in, just get them a coffee, something like that. It's just some simple little things that make a huge difference. And when we do that, we will eat the elephant one bite at a time, and the kingdom of God will extend and expand. So love is absolutely essential here. And um, I want to finish on this. Let me give you two challenges to think about. Um, kind of as I was praying and going through this and thinking about it this morning, um, it, something was, it was kind of laid heavy on my spirit to pray about. Um, and it's basically this. If you have a loved one who you want to see come into the kingdom, then if you would like prayer this morning, we can pray for that um, situation as well. The second thing is this, and this is, they're not more important than each other, but this is one we need to grasp. If you hear the voice that says you're not worthy, then let us pray for you so that you will hear the voice that says through the Holy Spirit, you are worthy because I love you. Replace condemnation, replace fear with love. And so that's the two things I want to offer up. The band will come up um, and we're closing off with a couple songs. If you would like prayer for any of those things, um, come forward. I'd like to, I'll be here to pray with you. Um, others will be here to pray with you if you'd like. Um, but don't walk away thinking, you know what? I broke it. I messed up. And God's going to punish me for it. Um, go away today going, you know what? I love you. I love you.